Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Shiv Glani. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Akash Chaudhary to Raise the Line. He's the Managing Director and Co-Promoter at Akash Educational Services Limited, a leading educational institution in India that provides comprehensive test prep services to students taking medical and engineering entrance exams, among others. The company has a network of over 200 centers across India, serving more than 250,000 students. He brings experience with top IT companies to his role, leading the senior management team and providing overall supervision of the company. An alumnus of Harvard Business School, Akash is an engineer by profession and the founder and a trustee at the Plaksha University. I'd also like to thank Deborah Quazo, who's also a Raise Line guest, for the original introduction to Akash. So Akash, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Absolute pleasure to be here, Shiv. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Um, I know it's late in India where you're recording this right now. So the first question we like to ask our uh, guests on Raise Line is to tell our audience a bit more about themselves, their backgrounds, and in your case, what got you interested in engineering and IT? By education, you know, I was trained in computer science engineering, but I think my stint, a small stint with the tech companies in India, I quickly realized that, you know, this pace in the technology world is changing really fast and I can't be stuck to one technology. So why don't I get on to the other side and program manage and project manage the businesses and the needs of the consumer rather than, you know, just uh, sticking only to the technology part. So I think that's where I reached out. A lot of companies in and around India, and I quickly realized that education is an area which, you know, caught my interest. And uh, my family started the education business back in 1988. My father, you know, uh, helping kids get into medical school, engineering school in India. And I think during that time when I was uh, switching jobs and, you know, trying to look out for my passion, my interest areas, I think that's the time when he, he said, you know, why don't you just spend some time with me and help me out build this company. And that was back in uh, 2006. And, uh, you know, being a family business, you know, one of the things that uh, you want to do is uh, give your child uh, an experience which is absolutely unbiased and give an experience and environment where you can nurture them. So I think I became a brand franchisee of my dad's brand. Uh, which was called the Akash Institute, which name incidentally after my name. I think that was one of the one of the starting points for me, and in fact, uh, a very very interesting uh, way to get family member in the business is to give them an independent market and uh, let them pay for uh, the equity or the brand or the resources that they use, uh, so that they can value it and uh, you know learn firsthand. So I spent about three three years in Bombay, outside of my comfort zone, which is New Delhi, and learned the business out there, and uh, you know got some really good success in the initial years, and got to know the business well. And ever since, uh, you know, been in this business and doing okay, more than okay, right? So you know, can you give us a sense of the trajectory of the company? Because you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, you know, you educate now over 250,000 learners across 200 physical centers. You know, obviously when you joined in 2006, it didn't start like that. So can you talk to us a bit about your your growth and then maybe that's a good transition into the recent deal you've done with Baiju, uh, which is very interesting. So one of the earlier things that I realized in an education business, you know, uh, the academic pedagogy, the quality of the product that you give to your customers is very, very important 
and being in physical classroom education business, having high quality teachers available at all times who can teach was a very important element. And India test prep segment is not very well structured or organized. And we would see people, you know, leaving jobs, jumping jobs, you know, just to get some next uh, raise in their salary. So I, when I started this business uh, out of Bombay, I vividly remember uh, my first day at the job, you know, I had done up the whole business setup and my center was ready to launch. First day was awesome. You know, kids loved the teaching and everything. And I was like, wow, you know, this is a great business. You know, you're doing well. You're getting appreciation. You're making money. You know, fantastic. Second day, two of my teachers left out of four. I was like, wow, how can they just leave? You know, this is unprofessional. This is blah, blah, blah. You know, what? where am I stuck? You know, what decision have I made? But then I quickly realized that, you know, this is the opportunity. If we can provide you know, a seamless and uninhibited supply of talented teachers. And then, you know, this is this is a cakewalk. And I think in three years, uh, I learned the business. And one of the first thing we did was come back and start a huge, massive faculty teacher development hiring program in India, uh, where we would go to some of the top schools in India for engineering education. And also go to agricultural universities, uh, bio universities to get some, you know, biology, zoology professors. So we would get these fresh talent, train them for about four, six months and make uh, fresh graduates into teachers, especially picking kids who've actually written these exams so they would know the rigor. All they needed was, uh, you know, training to become a teacher, you know, the body language, the content, the subject, the modulation the problem solving, the interaction with the kids and all of that. And from 2009 onwards, you know, we started building the company and we started scaling it. And when I joined, we were about uh, 25 centers in India and primarily north of India. And then when we saw that, you know, people are ready to join us and we were able to give them a great career story that, you know, what would happen if you become a teacher and what kind of benefits you'll get and you know, it's a most respected career and this profession really builds other professions. So I think that got a lot of these young kids interested and uh, they started joining us. And ever since, uh, you know, we've been hiring people across the country and been strengthening one of these weakest link. And that became our strongest link that, you know, we have a continuous supply of great faculty members at the back of which we could scale the entire company. And today we are about 200 and 15 uh, centers in India, and we hope to add another 100 in about a year or so. So we are on a growth path right now. And the other challenge that we had was, you know, we had teachers, but we were able to reach about 5% of the market. So we had to record all our content, go digital. And in that also, you know, I remember very clearly, you know, in India, they did not have tablets. Uh, so, you know, what we did, we recorded contents on DVDs and started shipping that. And we quickly realized that, you know, that's not the best experience. And, you know, people did not have PCs. They did not have licensed software to play CDs and DVDs. And I said, I need a full-fledged self-sufficient device. And we started with Sony PSP uh, five-inch devices. You know, that was the closest to tablet we could get. You know, and that's how we launched our digital products back in 2012. And I think from there, we realized that, you know, it has to be a mix of offline 
physical classroom teaching and online for kids you know who who cannot reach us or who cannot afford us and that's been the story ever since doing physical as well as digital last 8 9 years now that's a great two great insights you've just shared there with our audience one is having a great farm of teachers and training them you know one reason my co-founder Ryan and I started osmosis was even though we were at Hopkins School of Medicine um, the teachers there were mostly clinicians and researchers, but not teachers. They weren't trained in pedagogy. And so I like to say that if we had like amazing pedagogical teachers, we've had a couple, that was the exception, not the rule. We probably would never would have started osmosis and recruited Rishi, who's my favorite teacher. He's our chief medical officer. Uh, we used to run medicine for Khan Academy, but that's a great insight. And the second is the omni-channel approach, which is one of the questions I was going to ask you, which is, you know, we've seen this in a lot of other industries like e-commerce companies like Amazon opening physical stores, Peloton, the fitness uh, company had a physical studio, then scaled it out digitally. Obviously, you guys were omni-channel before the acquisition by Baiju. Clearly, they're primarily digital. How do you see that playing out omni-channel for education within India and outside? Is it essential to build a great business at this point? absolutely uh, i think the conversation with baiju started last year about a year back you know we were all in the middle of uh, the pandemic the covid crisis and we had our strengths uh, physical classroom and test prep and baiju had their own strength which is online digital and k12 and what we thought that if we put these two things together we will have very very complementary forces coming together to create a complete universe of offering and become a true end to end omni channel player and i think that uh, has brought in a lot of comfort a lot of trust in the consumers because uh, physical presence of the retail stores and you know seeing those signboards in every city really builds that confidence brand is here to stay and uh, this brand is accessible and since uh, we are in education you know there are high stakes uh, so parents and students they really want to reach out whenever they are stuck they don't want to just do everything online so i think that's where they got this piece bang on putting the uh, physical and online together and making it into a one end to end seamless offering totally it makes perfect sense and you know i'm trying to think of equivalents here in the us but um you know, I think you guys are obviously leading the way in many ways in terms of innovation. So can you talk to us a bit about, you know, how the past year and a half of COVID has affected your work, um, which by the way, I hope your family is safe. All of the Indian Americans, we have family and friends who've been affected. So I'd love to hear your experience personally, but also as a company dealing with COVID over the past 18 months. Yeah. So COVID has been a great enabler for us to do a lot of new things when it came to uh, changing our business model. So uh, March 2020, the lockdown was announced and it took us about seven to 10 days to transition our entire classroom going kids to an online platform. And thanks to the experiments uh, that we started back in 2012, we already had about 40,000 kids coming to us for online education. And we had you know, a huge amount of experience handing that kind of kid. But transitioning suddenly overnight to about 200,000 kids was a uh, a massive task for us but fortunately we were able to do that transition but we have seen that after three to four months of teaching kids completely online we started getting calls from students and parents that you know they've had enough of online they wanted 
face-to-face interaction. The kids were getting stuck in tough subjects like physics and chemistry and mathematics, and they wanted to spend one-on-one time, you know, uh, let the teacher take them through the whole process over and over again till they understand. I think that that really came out loud and clear that the world will not shift to complete online uh, just because of, uh, you know, the COVID impact. Uh, there will definitely be a movement back to physical classroom. And what happened in the process that we were able to identify a sweet spot, we call it the hybrid education, where you don't have to go to the classroom five days a week or six days a week. You know, you can study four days a week at home and you can spend a day or two with the teacher, you know, just to touch upon the problems that you're not able to understand, which is offered completely online. So I think that really opened a new market for us. And that also opened a new opportunity for kids who never ever thought that online education can give them any kind of performance or efficacy. In fact, last year, when kids were studying completely online, uh, we've had our best results in the last 30 years. Wow, that's incredible. And we were absolutely surprised that, you know, how could it happen here, you know, with, with teacher being there in the classroom, 24-7 and helping out kids. It did not give us that result, but, you know, being at home completely online, you know, making the teacher and the student both accountable and responsible for their action and for their outcomes really gave us fantastic outcomes. So, so that really opened the eyes of kids that, okay, you know, we were afraid of online, that this is not going to give us the outcomes. That has gone away completely. Now, what the kids are asking for, okay, if I have access to physical classroom and it is safe, I'll go there. That's my number one option. But if I don't have that, then I will not shy away from picking up a hybrid or an online program because this works. So I think that's the new revelation. There was a doubt that online can work in competitive exams. That has been washed away completely. So that's one experience that we have, the change in behavior that we have experienced with students. That's incredible. Congrats on those uh, amazing results. Can we zoom out a bit and talk about the general medical education landscape in India? So for context, I mean, many of our listeners and viewers are in India. We have 2 million YouTube subscribers at Osmosis, and our number two highest engagement country is in India. People preparing for NEET PG and other exams like that. You know, if you're 250,000 learners, like what percentage are trying to pursue careers in medicine, trying to, as we say, raise the line and get into healthcare careers? In India, there is, uh, you know, every year there is a limited number of seats that are offered for a medical education. And I think the number of takers are far more than the number of seats that are available. But kids who have gone into the medical schools, you know, this has been a very challenging year for them because uh, medical education sans physical experience is absolutely uh, not of much use. And when we are interacting with kids who've gone to the first year of their medical education, they all are struggling currently uh, being taught completely online. Fortunately, being a medical student, part of the hospital, they were allowed to interact and go out in lockdown to the hospitals. So that uh, at least kept their interaction with the patient and with the faculty there at the hospital. But uh, the overall education experience has not been great for any of these medical professional programs that have been offered in India. So I think that is where uh, some of the other programs, be it engineering, be it finance, be it 
liberal arts, they did fly away with completely online offerings and that did not get impacted as the medical education was. Now things are opening up and we are really confident that students would recover from the losses that they had in the last year. That's great to hear. Um, in the U.S., when things were locked down for our clinical students, there was more adoption of simulation, uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, those kind of modalities. You know, is that similarly happening in, in India? Is there a big push? And a follow-up to that is in the U.S., we have the Association of American Medical Colleges, AAMC, that puts out an annual report showing what the number of physician shortage will be in the U.S. by a certain amount of time. And I think in 10 years, it's going to be 150,000 shortage of clinicians, physicians specifically, and then many more for nursing and others. If you have any of those statistics available too for, for India, it'd be really interesting to our audience. So India currently is running at one doctor is to 10,000 patients. And obviously uh, there is a huge divide. There's a lot more demand of doctors and associated health workers in India. And then one of the reasons why this is because of the limited availability of medical colleges or educational infrastructure for providing medical education and setting up larger facilities or large number of facilities for medical education in India requires a college and a hospital both together. And that has been uh, one of the biggest reasons why it hasn't kept pace with some of the other professional programs, be it engineering, arts or finance or, you know, some of the other professions. So this is where uh, I feel that uh, the divide or the demand gap, you know, disparity will continue to remain in India. You know, in fact, when you're sharing this data, that there will be a shortage of 150,000 doctors or physicians in U.S., you know, you can well imagine the kind of shortage that we are going to experience given the limited infrastructure that is there in India. Yeah. One of the solutions in the U.S. is they've implemented a lot of training for allied health professionals and so-called physician extenders, especially in rural communities. So physician assistant and nurse practitioner are two of the fastest 10 growing careers here in the U.S. with many, many schools opening up every year. Is something similar happening in India? And do you all at Akash help educate learners for those types of exams? So government is actually trying uh, you know, a very different kind of program, which is a three-year rural program where you can be trained only on primary healthcare, not on secondary and tertiary, because that is the first line of defense or where you could actually reach out to more patients. But those are all plans right now. We haven't seen any implementation on the ground as of now. However, there are uh, a lot of private and public partnerships that are coming up to increase the number of candidates who can qualify and get educated in nursing or lab technicians or some of the other paramedical services educations. So that is coming up, but not at the scale uh, you know, we would like it to be. But hopefully one, one of the silver linings out of COVID will be renewed interest in public investment in um, our healthcare capacity, which obviously involves the labor force and the work that you all do. I know we're coming up in time, so I just had a couple more questions. The first is, given that online learning and digital learning and digital health are here to stay post-COVID, you know, that also opens the doors for a lot of internationalization. Can you talk a bit about maybe growing outside of India and any plans you may have for that? So as a test prep company focused for Indian entrance exams, we've reached out to Middle East and Asia Pacific, but largely to the Indian diaspora who wanted their kids to uh, get educated for clearing entrance exams or competitive exams for schools in India. And recently, the government has also started establishing exam centers outside of India. So I think those are the areas where we have reached out and started helping kids internationally. 
but with merging with Baiju, now we are hopeful that we will be able to uh, assess what our capabilities in preparing content and pedagogy for some of the comparative exams outside of India, especially in the English-speaking countries. Although the Baiju ecosystem already has a lot of content for GRE, GMAT, some of the other exams, uh, which is very international. So that's an area that we are currently working on under the brand Akash Neat PG. And hopefully we'll launch uh, with the Baiju ecosystem very soon. Oh, that'll be exciting to see how that evolves over the next uh, couple of months and years. What advice do you have for people interested in pursuing a career in healthcare, especially around meeting the challenges of COVID and, and beyond? I think healthcare has really thrown upon a huge opportunity, not only in terms of uh, healthcare services at the front end, but also in terms of research, uh, in terms of pharmaceuticals, chemicals, the whole logistics, manufacturing, as an industry, as a sector itself, healthcare has shown a lot of opportunities and has shown that, you know, there is a lot of need out there and systems are broken and there is a need for quick turnaround and responses for any future pandemic that may come. You know, being a professional who is always on the front line, I think it has also opened upon a very, very careful choice making, uh, you know, before you pick up this career, because you know, a lot of doctors were really scared uh, during the pandemic, not only because of themselves, but because of the families, you know, they were to go back to and, you know, they didn't want to be the reason for anybody in their family to fall sick. So I think there are a lot of uh, these emotions, apart from the opportunity that is clearly open in front of us has come through. And as they say, you know, doctors are next to God and there is no denying in the hard work and the passion that they bring on the table. There are so many wonderful stories of the hard work that the doctors and nurses have done this time. Yeah. And in the US, I know we've seen a, a major increase in demand to get into these programs. They call it the Fauci effect, a 20% increase in applications to medical schools. I'm sure something in India is very similar. My last question, is there anything else you'd like to be able to share with our audience before we let you go for the evening? No, I, I think uh, medical education has come a long way, but I think technology can play a massive role in not only keeping the quality of education, but quality of treatment and prognosis as uh, I think there is a good amount of work happening, but I feel if companies like Pfizer and Moderna can turn around uh, quick solutions basis technology, MRN technology, I think there are many, many such areas where technology can enable faster, better cures, and in fact, learnings for the medical professionals, because, you know, they are busy all the time and, you know, they need those bouts of knowledge with respect to their own stream and technology can really help them keep them up to speed with respect to their streams. And in fact, uh, you know, I, I forgot to mention when the pandemic hit, none of our teachers were trained to teach online. You know, they would have a whiteboard and a marker kind of a behavior. It took us flat 10 days to transition the whiteboard and marker teacher to a digitizer and a digital pen teacher. The teachers really took it up really well. And I think the problem of providing education, quality education has been solved. And I think if people can leverage it well, it will empower the teachers to do far more than what they've been doing, especially in the healthcare education. This will prove as a boon as we go forward. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I'll touch upon that one point real quick as well, because, you know, 
diagnosis, treatment, and guidelines change on a monthly, if not annual basis. And so, um, you know, we do a lot around continuing medical education as a result of that, because physicians need to constantly be updating their knowledge and technology is not only a way to get access to education much faster, but understand, you know, what they know, what they don't know, and then have precision education. So it's good to hear you saying that because you obviously have a massive scale uh, of impact as well. So to be respectful of your time, Akash, I could ask you an hour's worth more of questions, but I really just want to thank you for taking the time to be with us today. And more importantly, for the work that you do to help people get into careers in healthcare, uh, among others, um, and the work that you're, you and your team are doing to raise the line. No, thank you for having me here. And uh, I hope you were able to get some nuggets out of the discussion that we had and all the very best. Thanks so much. And with that, I'm Shivaglani. Thank you to our audience for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise line. We're all in this together. Take care. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast.